I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. Yes, um, we are here. We are sweltering in Charlottesville, and Kristen has it a little better in Minnesota for her bit. I am at tip of Lake Superior, Duluth, Minnesota, the town where I grew up, and it is cooler here, I can say for sure. And it's been just splendid to get away from some of that heat, but also to spend some time with family that I haven't seen for well over a year. Thank you, COVID. Um, so, uh, or blame, blame COVID, because I do love my family. And so it's really been great to see them and to spend some time outdoors here. Duluth is an amazing city for all outdoor adventures. So we're enjoying every bit of that. And the flowers, oh, wildflowers galore blooming and these beautiful forests and the streams and, so it's um it's been really great to be up here uh yeah it's june so we are flirting with summertime yep. a couple more weeks and we'll be summer solstice but we're getting a good old taste of summer one more week of school here um uva has been out for almost well almost a month i guess and um we're settling into our summer routine here in town as a college town it gets a little quieter (laughs) closer to downtown and some of the areas that students frequent yep yep and um so yeah we're actually about to leave on vacation and i think we were just talking a little bit about do you write when you're on vacation or do you take a vacation from writing? And I think it's always a hard question. I always think when I go away somewhere, oh, this would be a great time to get lots of writing done. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Writing while traveling or not writing while traveling. For me, it depends on where I go and the company I am in. Um, my present company is we tend to be talking with each other a lot and so there isn't quite the kind of writing time that I might have if I go say with my husband for a quiet uh, time in a cabin somewhere Um, but I am finding that if I for me I write, I think I write best at home or in a controlled environment. I'm not a coffee shop writer, so I don't I don't tend to write substantive, generative new material in that kind of a setting. I can maybe edit, things like that. But So similarly with travel. But I do find that I get a little antsy if I don't do any writing. So I come back to this Haiku 365 project I started this year where I write a haiku a day. and. I, that really is nice. That really tiny um, writing project that is a regular thing uh, helps me feel connected to that part of my brain maybe even. Uh, But as far as editing the novel or even working on this nonfiction proposal business, I'm not doing much of that at all. (laughs) It's the, it's short, short bits and maybe reflections on what I am seeing in when I, I took the train here, which was really fun. And, um, but I, 
and when I'm on the train, I just watch the world go by. I yeah. love, I love watching the landscape, but pulling my, uh, it's very hard to write by hand because the train is moving, yes. jostling your page so much. But writing with the computer, I realized I can look outside um, because I can type while I'm looking somewhere else. And that's been really fun. Um, so I've done a little bit of just playful writing, watching the world go by as I, it goes. Well, I, you know, I think you make an excellent point. There's, a, there's different kinds of writing. I feel like when I travel and I'm in a new environment, I do a lot of journaling because uh, yeah. I'm doing a lot of more sort of deep thinking as opposed to the sort of thinking you might do in your day where you're also thinking about what you need from the store and <laughs> yes, <laughs> when right. you're going to fit in an errand or whatever. And instead you're kind of in this suspension time where maybe what your task is to do is lay on a beach or <laughs> watch the sunset. So I, I yes. think I find that I have more sort of things to think about or, or to write about. Um, and occasionally I feel like I get ideas for my project. But I think that it's sort of a good question. Like, when do writers take a vacation? You know, are you always supposed to be productive? Or, you know, is that... <laughs> yeah. How does that work? I mean... Good question. I think different people do it differently, right? I think I, think I heard, read... Stephen King pretty much writes every day, but that's something that he sort of needs to do and does. I mean, he just does that. Yeah. Um, and I know other writers who take long stretches of no writing at all, and, and people who are quite prolific. I have a friend who's in a number of novels, published a number of novels, as well as a bunch of nonfiction. I remember her saying to me, I always have to take, or I think she said, don't you find you have to take like two months after finishing a project, just not doing anything. And I think, oh my gosh, you do that? <laughs> well, what I think make for you when, like, if you finish a project, do you take time away from writing just by definition or not? Um, I think it is really interesting that I, I sort of let it uh, happen. So one of the things I do do is I, as I make myself report every day what I accomplish writing-wise. So I have it in my bullet journal. I have a writing log. And so on each day I'll say I, I journaled, you know, what else did I do? And that's sort of a way to sort of look back and sort of see, because I think there are moments where, yeah, I finish something or I get stuck and then I end up taking three weeks off and I'm really not writing a project. And, you know, I could beat myself up about it, or I could say, you know, you probably really needed that mental break. Yeah. And you didn't plan for it. It wasn't like you said, all right, I'm going to take the next three weeks off and I'll see you in this month. But it just is like every day it was sort of not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. and then afterwards I think, oh, yeah, I really did need the downtime. Um, yeah. I was, I was hearing on this podcast one of the things, I think it was a writer who was having trouble getting something going and the prescription was that they were forbidden to write for two weeks oh oh and then once they were allowed to start writing they had to do just the 30 minutes you know just the oh wow and then they had to get up and to sort of make it so that it was more of a forbidden fruit i think yes and to see how much did they miss it 
Yes. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, I don't think it fits everybody. Some people might be like, vacation? Well, I'm not even going back. <laughs> Never go back. Right? Never That's go back. That's it. That's okay, too. But yeah. Yeah, for those of us who want to be writing, for the sake of writing, having some permission to do so is great. But if we feel, I think when it, and it can feel burdensome, like, oh, I, I need to do this. It's my work. Yeah, I must um, do this. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to take a break, a permis- per- permissible break, and then to take it even further, to have that enforced <laughs> break. You're not allowed to write for a certain chunk of time is really intriguing. I, I wonder if I would want to do that ever. I don't know. I don't know, and it could be just that you might need it if you were ever in um, sort of stuck some, into something, or stuck in a mindset, or yeah. feeling very oppressed by your writing, to have someone say, you're forbidden to write, and then for you yeah. to say, oh my god, I really miss this, so why am I belly aching about it, like, I should just yeah. go back and and enjoy it but you might have already had that realization something that was interesting um that came up and i realized that this is probably a direct relationship to our podcast for me and that is that um i got an idea and i started working on it um on um non-fiction essays yeah and I, i think probably we were talking to someone about that sort of balancing shorter form with longer form and feeling more accomplishment but and also listening to these podcasts so so my essays I'm not sure I might end up posting them as blog posts I'm not sure what I'm intending to do with it or if it's really as a collection as I'm intent as I sort of am envisioning at this moment but I was calling it blind alleys and other creative disasters (laughs) Oh, I want to read it, Meredith. Yeah, and so each essay is about something often that has gone badly. (laughs) But but in in some cases, it's, you know, a film I made or, you know, a job I had in in the creative. So so it's been really um, fun to write because these are all stories that I tell all the time and people... Um, really can't believe them. (laughs) Uh, But I wanted to sort of frame it in this way to say like, they're disasters in that, you know, I made a film and no one wanted to buy it. But at the same time, that's sort of the life of an artist that you go through things to get to the other side. And it's not about so much about the product. Yeah, and one of the other really brilliant, um, I think it's Sarah Jones, um, who's a performance artist, said that your creative life is a highway, and every time you think about who am I selling this to, how am I going to market it, who's the audience, you t- you take an exit off the highway, oh. and you need to stay on the highway. Yeah. And well, I thought, mm-hmm. yeah. It's with our our travel theme. Yes, yes, we are traveling and staying on the highway. But I think that the thing is to say to yourself, to also say to yourself, you know, you've done good work and you you can take a break. 
and that's completely yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I've thought about doing, and I haven't yet, but in thinking about some of the other kinds of travel, and we talked about how maybe you do different kinds of writing or no writing at all, depending on the particularities of the travel that you're doing. Um, but some travel that my husband and I have talked about doing are trips, the two of us, on, you know, in a journey with an adventure. And I sometimes it gives me, I, I get a little anxiety because I think, when am I going to do any writing during this time? Or when am I going to do any writing on the projects that I have on my desk? And I and I thought to myself, you know, it's only for like a week of a chunk of time. Maybe again, I take a break from my regular projects. The in this case, the novel and the nonfiction book, um, and instead spend a little time each day writing um, playfully out of whatever that moment's experience are is. This is a little bit like your journaling, I think, where maybe I take an overheard conversation at a cafe in whatever place we're visiting and spin out a short, you know, a, a very short story um, of imagining those characters and what their lives are like, things like that, to take make out of the place where you are a writing prompt and follow that through with whatever parameters you want to set. And maybe it's a thousand words or 500 words, or maybe it's not even a number of words. It's a, a poem or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And I, that gets me really excited. That sounds really fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing, the thing to sort of think about is I just feel like what I do for my daily writing practice is a lot of sort of rules for myself like you have to do a 25 minute sprint you know you have to do this you have to this you have to revise this thing and you have this to do and this to do and on yeah. vacation I kind of like the idea what you're talking about which is to say what is something that I really want to do not I'm sure that I really want this book to be done and I'm sure that when I'm done with my 25 minute sprint I'll be glad that I did it but what could like bring me to the page in a joyful way that would be like I'm on vacation in the spirit of vacation. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or in my case, recognizing that I simply cannot do very well the work on the projects, the larger projects I have on my desk. I just can't do them very well on a trip like I have right now. Yeah. And, and if I feel like I'm going to get progress made on those when I'm in a trip like I am right now, I'm just going to feel crappy. <laughs> It's just a recipe for feeling really um, awful, and and you st and I still haven't gotten it done. So I think, okay, yeah. what yeah. what might uh, I do? Yeah, and then a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt, and and putting um, unfair expectations on yourself. Because quite frankly, there is, I think, so much to be gained from just enjoying a place where you are and not yeah. saying, oh, I can't possibly go out for a walk because I must do this writing. Yes, yes. And I have done that. I have been in places that are wonderful. And I've told myself, you are not allowed to go into the wonder of that place until you do whatever task I'd set before myself. And sometimes, sometimes I could have both things that I could maybe get myself to do that task and then and then enjoy that place. But, but yeah, I think, um, we each have to make those decisions based on all the things that are informing that particular moment and 
place and time. But I'm excited for you in the trip that you have planned. This is a family trip. Yes, post-COVID, and we are headed to the Pacific Northwest to places that we have never been before that are just supposed mm-hmm. to be some of the most beautiful places in the world. And we cannot wait. And um, And I'm just sort of still at this moment where I'm like, take the computer, don't take the computer, take the oh, computer, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm gonna, where I'm going to end up. Um, but I'm also excited today because we have our, a guest, uh, Molly Cox Bryan, and um, she is a writer of many, many things. She has written cookbooks and articles and essays and poetry and fiction. I know her as a mystery writer. Um, She grew up uh, near Pittsburgh um, and has a bachelor's in journalism and communications. Um, And she has about a trillion different series. I mean, roughly. (laughs) (laughs) Rounded down. But the most recent book she has is called Goodnight Moo. And it is a mystery set on an organic micro dairy farm and features a cheesemaker. So that is just, and it, and it's in a, I think it's in a made up town in Virginia, but she's been um, nominated for Agatha awards for her books. She's had um, people's choice nominations from the library of Virginia. And um, she's a friend of ours. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we it'll, be, it'll be great to visit with her. In it'll, this be, it'll be great to visit with her, and I haven't seen her in forever, so let's call her up. Well, hello, Molly. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited. It's been forever since we've seen you. Um, I don't know. Have you been in Charlottesville at all, or have you just really stayed across the mountain? I've stayed in Waynesboro uh, for the most part. Um, I did go into Charlottesville. Uh, my computer was messed up, and um, so they made me bring it to the office, and they got me a whole new computer. And I thought, man, did I drive this every day before? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 You did. You mm-hmm. did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took a, I took a, we are supposed to report back August 1st DVA to our office. And um, my husband and I went over and took a little evening walk on grounds. And I was just remembering how nice it is to take walks during lunch <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. and see the gardens and everything. But um, it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to be an adjustment for sure. Uh, definitely and all this has been an adjustment but Molly first we just wanted to start off by asking you to sort of tell your story about how you came to be a writer okay well um, you know I've always been a storyteller you know so I I told stories before I could even write you know according to my parents Um, and I think I wrote my first novel when I was about 12. I didn't finish it, but I finished my first novel when I was a senior in high school. Um, And uh, thank God nobody's ever gotten their hands on that one. But good for you, wow. Um, So, and then I went to school um, first majoring in theater and dance 
and then majoring in journalism because I got, uh, I guess I got sort of as graduation approached or as reality prepped in, you know, I was like, journalism sounds like a really solid career. I can still write and I can dance on the weekends and the evenings. And, you know, I had all these ideas, but um, journalism turned out not to be that great <laughs> career, um, at least not for me. And um, I, I did a lot of nonfiction writing um, and a lot of editorial work and that kind of thing. And um, wrote a couple cookbooks um, and uh, then ended up writing fiction, uh, which I've always written fiction for fun for myself. And the same thing with poetry. I've taken poetry workshops. So I've always um, tried to keep my hand in it. And how I got involved with the cozy mystery genre was that uh, my, my culinary agent at the time had just taken on a new partner who was a fiction agent. And so she said, you know, if you have any fiction ideas, let us know. So, and I did, and I was actually working on something and I took, um, uh, at one November, National Novel Writing Month, and I um, wrote my first book that got published, uh, Scrapbook of Secrets. Wow. That's great. During NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you draft it then and then edit later? I mean, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that was like, you know, the first very messy draft. In fact, at one point I said to my agent, I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I have... I have some characters and I have them doing some things and there's this and there's that. And she said, well, it sounds like you've got a mystery. And I said, yeah, you know, and, and, and it just sort of clicked. Okay. Uh, having that format to work with really helped. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So the, um, I, we met Molly a long, long time ago at a writing event. Was it an historical novelist event? I was trying to remember which writing conference it was, but you had just published Mrs. Rao's cookbook. Mm -hmm. I, I have that. I love it, by the way. I still cook out of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and is that how you pronounce it? That famous Rao. Yeah. Yeah. Ms. Rao, Mrs. Rao's. And oh my goodness, the stories you have, you tell of that restaurant and the characters who, well, the, the people, real people who founded it, their families, and then also of the, the recipes themselves is just so much fun reading. Um, and then the, the recipes themselves are, you can use them because boy, they are tried and true. Um, now you, um, was that was that your first book or not? Um, nonfiction. For nonfiction, yes. Now I edited and compiled an anthology very early in, uh, I think I was in my twenties. It was called Unsilenced, and it was women's poetry and essays, and I think there was maybe a couple short stories in it. Um, so there, that was my first book, but then. Um, then the cookbook would have been like first nonfiction. Yeah. 
Well, it was so interesting hearing Kristen describe the cookbook because I feel like that's a lot of cozy mysteries are like that. So there's a story, but then there's often, you know, recipes or some kind of craft tips or that kind of thing that kind of, you know, give people an added, you know, an added gift for their, for their reading. Right. The story. And, and the, the thing about the Mrs. Rao book, I mean, she was such a strong and um, independent woman and so smart. Um, and I think of the link, you know, between the, uh, like the cookbooks and the cozies is that, you know, the strong independent women and the cozy mysteries, um, the ones that I write, at least I try to make them that way. And in fact, one of my characters, Beatrice in that first series, um, in the scrapbooking series is I realized it much later, but she's very similar to Mrs. Brown. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I didn't intend to do that at all, but she's so much like Mrs. Wow. Huh. Well, I think we're just, we, we're drawn to certain characters. And then I think, um, you know, we use all that material. I mean, you use the whole material of all your life and <laughs> right. you write. And then it's hard to sometimes identify that you have taken something, you know, that's true and sort of fictionalized it sometimes. I mean, sometimes you can do it very deliberately, but it's, it's interesting when you don't notice. Right. Till after the fact. Like that. Right. Yeah. 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 So Molly, when you do these series, do you have a really clear sense of when they will end or is, how does that, how do you go to another series? For instance, do you feel a certain, there's a certain closure for you with it? about getting to know these characters so well um well you know with with my first series um it wasn't canceled or anything they left it sort of up in the air but i i sort of felt like i think i had five books five books in yeah and some um novellas for that series um and i just wanted to try something different uh-huh um i always leave you know, i always left that option open for that series um, so I tried um, a different series, the Cora Craft series, and um, yeah, I did have a sort of arc in mind for that series, but then it got canceled. <laughs> like so, I didn't get to finish that. Um, mm-hmm. I do think about indie publishing, like maybe a um, a novella or something in that series to kind of wrap things up, because I feel like there's a lot of people kind of left hanging. Uh huh. Um, in fact, I'm doing that on my on my latest series, which is the um, Buttermilk Creek series, One with the Cows. That was also canceled after two books. <laughs> so uh, I'm working on something right now because people love that series, and so I'm working on uh, something that will probably be a novella, so that I can I can wrap that up for, oh. for my readers. Yeah. So um, I did read that sort of there's a there's a trend right now, just as much as there was a trend 10 years ago, which was Cozy Mysteries were very much on the ascent and they were very much wanted by everyone that there's <clears throat> sort of, there's a tendency to not buy them right now. Not, 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 not that there's the readers aren't interested, but I'm talking like sort of publishing houses. And, you know, I'm, I, I always say to people like, you know, write what you want to write because you never know by the time you finish your book they might have changed their mind. 
-hmm. But is, is that kind of what you're finding? Are they publishing fewer cozy mysteries right now? Um, you know, I think maybe traditional publishers are publishing less cozies, but the indie um, cozy mystery world is like expanding <laughs> like rapidly. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I heard one of, uh, one of these uh, indie writers talking about how, um, and, and I don't know that this is true, but this is something that I've sensed that the, the people that are, who are doing indie cozies, it's almost a different genre than the, than the cozies that are being uh, published by the traditional publishers. And how cool. What are some of the differences that you see? Are kids? I think there's a lot more like talking animals and it seems like it's gotten like, like, like the, maybe the indie cozy authors are even more cozy. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Well, there was the whole tendency to have like the cat be the detective and stuff like that. I mean, I did see those back in the the nineties, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Rita, Rita Mae Brown's books are yeah. really great. The sneaky pipe that those are yeah fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so by indie, do you mean small presses or people just publishing their own work? Their own their okay. own stuff. Mm -hmm. That right now that. The indie market is just burgeoning with cozy mysteries. That's and I see a lot of uh, new people cropping up, teaching classes, a lot of books about how to write cozy mysteries. Um, these these indie authors are killing it. They really huh. are. That's wow. so fascinating because I feel like that tends to happen when traditional publishers stop publishing something. Like, I feel like the reason sci-fi authors are predominantly indie and also maybe erotic romance in some of those genres is because they're not published by traditional publishers. But that doesn't mean that there's not there's not an audience for them. You know, that people want to read certain things. And so then, you know, it's more like connecting to the readers directly, I guess. It's, I mean, I, I love the publishing world. I mean, it's it's what I've done, you know, my whole life in one one form or another. But um, I I do think that uh, sometimes publishers really don't know what readers want. You know, I think that some writers have a better um, idea of what their readers want than publishers do. You know, <laughs> most of the publishers, it's getting to be better these days. But uh, I think that. For many years, it's just been white guys in New York making decisions on what everybody, what they think everybody wants to read, right? And um, so I think these, um, some of these indie authors and some indie publishers too have, have sort of capitalized on that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, and I, I think there's, um, we had a guest on a couple of months ago who had started his own um, editing house. You know, because he, and, and publishes other people too, because, you know, what he was really interested in reading and writing um, and seeing in the marketplace wasn't represented, you know, with traditional publishers. So, I mean, it's interesting. I think there's, I think, you know, I, I know at certain times people look down on one thing or the other, you know, but it's like, I think that if there's enough readers, 
why you know why should we not just open up and say everyone's welcome to do whatever you want to do i mean right i mean i think there's there's enough room for everybody yeah Mm -hmm. i mean not that there isn't a lot of competition out there because there is but there's room for everybody yeah yeah well you're in a good position though because you have series that you've started and you have a name for yourself and you have sure lots of loyal readers so that if you were to start another series or continue one of these I imagine you would have a lot of folks that would find you um well I mean it's interesting because one of the series that I write uh, is for uh, Crooked Lane which which we haven't talked about yet I, I write under another name Crooked Lane they insist I think Crooked Lane insists with all their authors they have new names you know they have pen names and um my second book in that that series is, is on my desk right now. You know, I'm looking at first past pages for that. Um, but so, uh, I, and I'm also pitching another series right now. I should say I'm working on pitching another series right now. So, do you have those also? On, do you have those also on your website? Those books from Crooked Lane, or you're not allowed to? Yeah, it's a different yeah, name. On, I, um, it's uh, the one that I'm working on now is Once Upon a Seaside Murder. And the other one was Little Bookshop of Murder. And then the name is Maggie Blackburn. And do you, you get to pick your name. I do, yeah. Oh, good, yeah, I love the name. And they um, don't own the but, name, do they? No, I don't think so, no. <laughs> okay, because Berkeley used to own the names. Oh, did they? And so then they, you know, they used to fire people and take the name. Oh my goodness. And the characters, so, Molly, with Crooked Lane, do why do they insist that people have a new name or pen name? I don't know because I mean I thought maybe it could be maybe my sales track record wasn't that great and they wanted a fresh start, but they they've done it with several very successful authors. Um, so I'm huh. thinking of Tanya Kappas, Tanya Kappas, for example, very successful indie published author. And I think she's also been traditionally published in some other, but they made her change her name, which made me no, made no sense to me at all. But <laughs> I don't know why That's they do it. <laughs> do they expect you to have a social media presence with your pen name as well or not? Um, I, what I have done is like on my Twitter account, I say, you know, Molly Cox Bryan is also Maggie Blackburn. Ah, and I yeah. changed my Facebook um, to Molly Cox Bryan slash Maggie Blackburn. But I, you know, I don't have time to do two no. websites. No, oh my complete, God. I, I just don't. And I don't know that it really matters. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's a good question. We had another one of my friends on who, <clears throat> who writes thrillers. And then when he wrote a slightly different kind of thriller, they had him change his name for it and i thought really like it's that different you know still in the genre i mean these are obviously fairly cozy mysteries you know you're writing for crooked lane it just seems like why wouldn't you capitalize on that but it never it doesn't always make sense (laughs) no it doesn't (laughs) so So, i want to ask you just a basic 
craft question, Molly, because it's always interesting, of course, to hear how people write, how writers write. And you have been so successful and you're so prolific. Do you you talked about writing, drafting that one novel during that old remote. Do you do you are you a pantser? Do you write by the seat of your pants or do you sketch something out or does it vary with projects? How how do you approach a new project? How do you get going? How do you how do you work your way through a draft? Um, okay, so this has changed a lot over the years and, and that's one thing I always say like when I teach classes or I speak somewhere, you know, on a panel or something. And that's, that's something that I always try to stress. I think that it's, there's no one right way, right? And for me, it's, I've had to shift around according to my life circumstances. Yeah. So um, when my girls were little, for example, um, you know, when they got on the bus, went to school, I wrote. Yeah. Um, now one is in, one is living in New York City and, and uh, one is getting ready to, um, moved to Ireland, we think. So um, I have more time in, in that way. But yeah, my now I get up because I have to, now I have a nine to five job. Now I get up between 4.30 and five and write um, so that I can, you know, I can get my writing in before the rest of the day starts. Yeah. Um, so, and, and my first draft is usually pretty um, slim um, and I, it, it's so most cozies come in at like seven, between 70 and 75,000 words. And mine, when I'm my first draft is usually around 60. Mm -hmm. So, um, I go in my second draft is that I, um, add more. Um, I, w I wouldn't say that I embellish, but I can see at that point where more is needed. Yeah. And I'm trying to make it so that everything makes sense at that point. Uh -huh. And then like the third draft, um, I try to polish it. You know, it's it's more about wordsmithing and, and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a very short writer. And um, so do you set a word limit for yourself when you write in the morning or you set a certain time and it's, you're going to work during that time? Yeah. Yeah. I try to do a thousand words a day. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's usually an hour, an hour and a half. I mean, and is it a five days a week? Someday, or how do you, how many days? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm really going, like right now, I'm not because I have this other book that is, you know, I, I'm proofing uh, and editing and that. Yeah. But uh, when I'm writing, yeah, it's a thousand words a day and it's Monday through Friday. I don't usually write on the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, I try to save that time. Um, to take care of myself and um, spend time with my kids. So when they're here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds really, it, it sounds rigorous, but also sensible and livable. For the most <laughs> that, part, yeah. <laughs> I, I was interested to hear what you said about writing short, because I'm a really short writer too on my first drafts. And I used to think that it was because I was a screenwriter. So I tend to do, um, I tend to do something that feels more outliney, I guess, a lot of ways. Like I'm just giving you the essence of the scene, but I've neglected to tell you much about what it looks like or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so, so I'm really interested that you, you also write short. Do you have to do, do you have to toss a lot on your second draft or do you really, no. you don't? Um, 
you know, and, it's, it's mostly adding. Yeah. And, do you, and I think it comes from my journalism background. Oh, okay. And do you, do you outline before? No, I'm complete cancer, complete cancer. Wow. I've tried outlining, um, uh, and, and what's really interesting is that um, it really hasn't worked for me. I, I mean, at all. I've, I've, I can see where it would be much more efficient, <laughs> you know. But when I write that outline, I will get too detailed for the outline, and then I just don't want to write. I'm like, okay, I wrote it. I'm done. You know, <laughs> I that is what the need to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, oh, yeah, I was just going to say I was writing a thriller well, this, during the pandemic and I wasn't really outlining it. And and at some point I was convinced something was going to happen and I decided something else was going to happen and I thought, well, I've pretty much set up the perfect red herring here because <laughs> <laughs> I was writing towards this thing, but um, but I also made a huge mess. <laughs> Oh, yes, you're right. If I had figured all of my twists and turns and then outlined it, probably would have been in much better shape. <laughs> but I think it's, it's for me, it's the process of discovery, right? It's like, that's what's so magic about it. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's fun. So we were chatting a little bit, Molly, before you got on board with, um, we were talking about writing while traveling. Now that we're opening up to the possibility of leaving our the four walls of our home after the pandemic <laughs> thinking about traveling some do you um one do you do any kind of traveling and if so or vacations um do you how do you manage your writing during that time or do you just leave it leave it alone leave it aside um you know i usually when i go on vacation i will bring like a journal or something with me and unless i'm really like pressed um like on the deadline or something like that. I mean, I think it's really important for us to fill the well, you know? Um, so like if I'm on vacation, I, I really try not to write, uh -huh. um, but I will get ideas uh, like the series, the beach read series that I was just talking about for Crooked Lane. Um, I was at the beach with a girlfriend who invited me to stay at her mother's condo and it was just such a perfect little vacation. It was only like four days and we left our kids at home and our husbands and it was just us. And we were in bed early and we did what we want. We went to the beach when we went. And I said, you know, that the thing that would make this perfect is if there was a bookstore on the beach that we could go to, you know, and get books. And so that started the wheels turning. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a good example of, you know, I had no intention of writing during that vacation, but that idea came to me. And now I've got, you know, I got one book out based on that idea and the second book that's coming out in October. That's terrific. I, I think that, yeah, I love, I love the, 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 the view, you know, filling the well. I was just sort of debating whether to take my computer with me because I'm leaving for two weeks for the Pacific Northwest. And we were just talking about that, how that sometimes when you allow your mind to ex you know just experience where you are you do get amazing ideas and so it's important i mean i always i don't think i could ever go anywhere without paper and pen <laughs> right right <laughs> much less a whole stack of books i'm always yeah, like yeah. well i run out of books you know that's always like a concern but um but yeah i think that you're right you opened yourself up 
and allowed a new idea to come unless you know instead instead of taking the book you were working on and being like oh does this work is this plot point which would not allow you to be open I do think it would be nice to like go to the beach with the idea of writing, like a writer's retreat or something. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. And I do plan to go to Dublin with my daughter um, at the end of August. Um, so I am planning, you know, and I'm hoping, I'm sure I'm going to be inspired there. For oh. sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. And is she moving there for school? No. Um, this is uh, my little rebel daughter. She's she's 20 she's a musician and she's uh decided she doesn't want to go to college until later and uh she's going to go to ireland and busk uh she's oh, heard wow. that you you know you could make some good money busking in dublin and she's you know she's a recording engineer and she's going to try to get work there you know so that somebody can will help her with the visa and all that she thinks that she wants to live there but she has to you know find a job and all that first so she's going for three months to explore what an adventure. i just think it's fantastic you know i mean what a great experience yeah yeah that is a great experience for sure yeah. <laughs> well i feel like this year has put a lot of people's plans sort of up in the air and i think um yeah i have friends who's Daughters were supposed to go off to college, and they sort of said, you know what, it doesn't seem like it would be that much fun. So I think instead I'll stay home for the year and wait another year, you know. I, you know, yeah. it's definitely. Yeah. Learning different ways of being. And, yeah. Yeah, and appreciating a moment to self-reflect, reflect. Uh -huh. is this the path is the path that I thought I was supposed to be taking really the one I want to be on right um, it's it's a good opportunity to take a step back and, and I, yeah and I did feel so sad for all the students who sort of missed out on their junior year abroad and that sort of thing because I think what your daughter's doing is I mean I, I did it actually in my 20s I think gone abroad at different times but in my 20s I um, my husband and I lived in Paris and it was, it was hugely influential, and it was wonderful for writing. Hopefully, she'll write a lot of music and songs while she's there. Because I felt like, with another language and another culture, you sort of went internal a lot. Mm. That's really cool. I'm gonna miss her. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm excited for her. Um, but you know, it's 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 an ocean away, right? So it kind of scares me as her mother, but I just try to keep my mouth shut and be supportive. Oh. <laughs> well, at least you're on the edge of the continent closest to her. Right. The ocean. right. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just playing the glad game for you, Molly. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, that's exciting. And obviously she has inherited some creative means yep. uh, from you. And I just so admire the work that you do, Molly. And, um, and oh yes yes and thank you so much it was just delightful it was a wonderful excuse to get to see you <laughs> um but we really try to try to celebrate everyone's new books coming out when we can and um it's always fun to hear that you know someone's launched another <laughs> launched another book out into the uh and to find an audience so 
congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. They're great. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Have a lot of fun. We do. We do. Yeah. It's pretty easy to do with Kristen for sure. Friends, <laughs> back at you. <laughs> well, hopefully we will see you soon. And um, thanks again. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Molly. Bye. Bye. Well, that was just so fun to catch up with Molly. I am I'm so impressed by the number of books she writes. And to hear about that discipline, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not sure I could get up at 4.30. <laughs> it's dark then. Um I know. Good for her. That's actually how I wrote my first book. Yeah. That first operative word, not all, um, because it is it is quite a discipline. Um, yeah. yeah. But as I really also appreciated her noting that you know this is changes in different yeah. times of your life and different um, and different lives. People, some things work for some people and others work for other people. And you, Meredith, get a ton done. You are very prolific. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I try not to, I just try not to beat myself up about it. And I loved hearing her say she takes the weekends off and she's, when she's on vacation, she's on vacation. And I think, you know, to find that balance that you can be productive, yet at the same time you can take the time that you need and be there for your family and enjoy life and so yeah may we continue to find success with searching for balance (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. really fun to visit with her and um i i want to get into some of these cozy mysteries of hers that i haven't seen yet the the seaside the bookshop one oh my gosh that's yeah perfect perfect well, as always, it was really fun to visit with you and enjoy your family. And Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy your big trip um, to the Northwest. I hope to do to so. Hear about that when you get back. Yes. All right. Well, talk to you next time. All right. Bye.